Hello, this is Ahuka. Welcome to Hacker Public Radio and another exciting episode. And we are continuing our look at LibreOffice Calc. Uh, we've just been through an exploration of doing what-if analysis and creating models. Uh, I hope you found that interesting. And now we're going to deepen our understanding by looking at how we edit and navigate things on spreadsheets. Uh, now, LibreOffice Calc, like all spreadsheets, contains a large number of cells and various rows, columns, and sheets, and navigating that can get a little tricky. As we saw previously, each cell has an address, which is marked by the column, denoted with letters, and the row, denoted with numbers, always in that order. But in fact, the address can be larger because we didn't get to talking about sheets. By default, when you create a new calc spreadsheet, you will have three sheets in it, which you see as tabs along the bottom of the screen. They will be called Sheet 1, Sheet 2, and Sheet 3 at this point. But these defaults can be changed by going to the Tools menu, to Options, to LibreOffice Calc, to Defaults. On this screen, you can decide how many sheets you want to have on a new document. While the default as it comes is 3, similar to Microsoft Excel, you can change it. On my copy of Calc, I changed it to 1, because most of the time I never need more than one sheet for my work. I can also change the default naming of new sheets here. Instead of each sheet being Sheet 1, Sheet 2, etc., I could make it something else. I could say Tab 1, Tab 2, and so on. I never bother with this, though because I will always name my sheets for what they are doing in a given spreadsheet. For example, take a look at what I did when I created the simple model for what-if analysis. And if you go back and take a look at that, you see that I gave each sheet a meaningful name. And if I need to add a sheet, uh, you know, we showed in the what-if uh, analysis in the, the savings model that... Uh, you know, you can create copies of existing sheets by holding down the control key and clicking and dragging. Uh, if you just want to insert, insert uh, a blank sheet, uh, go to the insert menu, sheet, and then that brings up a window that specifies where the sheet should go, what it should be named, and even insert a sheet from a file. For instance, a CSV file would be a very good choice here such as if you wanted to bring in data from a database or another spreadsheet for use in the current spreadsheet. Now you can leave your sheet named as Sheet 1 and so on, but as I did previously, I think it's better to rename the sheet with something more descriptive. And the thing that we want to mention here is that the sheet name is implicitly part of the cell address and can be explicitly addressed. If you only have one sheet in your spreadsheet, you didn't worry about this. But if you had several sheets, you might want to use data from them in combination, and then it really matters. So begin by renaming your sheets with descriptive names. Place your cursor over the tab where it now says Sheet 1, and select Rename Sheet. A window opens that lets you type in a new name. A common use for something like this is financial data, where each month is on its own sheet. So rename this sheet to January and click OK. You should now see the tab renamed. 
Repeat on sheet 2, only call it February. Now all we need to do is put some data in there. Now for this purpose I'm going to introduce a couple of functions that produce random numbers. The first of these is RAND. You can find this by clicking on the function icon which is just to the left of the SUM icon. Any mathematician would recognize this script F with a small x as the symbol f of x, which is the general form of a function. When you click on it, a window opens that lets you select a function. We'll get into this in more detail later, but for now just select the Functions tab and then for category All and scroll down till you see RAND, R-A-N-D. Click on it and on the right you will see a description that says returns a random number between 0 and 1. Click Next and you should see the function copied to the formula box below. Since I like my number to be slightly larger, right after the function which says equals R-A-N-D, open parent, close parent, I will type star 100. And that is, take whatever that random number is between 0 and 1 and multiply it by 100. Then click OK, and you should have a random number in the cell of your spreadsheet. So just click and drag to fill 10 or so cells. You now have some random data. Now, let's go to the second sheet, the February one. Uh, and I'm going to use a slightly different function here. I'm going to use the rand between. So as before, we'll go to the function wizard. This time select the rand between function. The description for this one says returns a random integer between the numbers you specify. When you click that and click Next to put it in the formula box, you will see two blank fields above the formula box to enter the bottom and top number of the range. So let's select 1 as the bottom and 100 as the top and click OK. As before, click and drag to fill some cells. From this, you can see the differences between these two functions. The RAND function has decimal places, up to 10, and even though we multiplied by 100, it is possible that one or more of the numbers that we created is below 1. The RAND between function has no decimal places, and thus no numbers below 1. Every number is an integer. Now, back to our story. I now have data on two sheets, and I can do calculations using these numbers. I will create a third sheet and name it March Projected. To do this simple calculation, let's assume we can average the numbers from January and February to get an estimate for March. So go to cell A1 on the March Projected tab and click the equal sign on the formula bar. Remember, the equal sign tells Calc to expect to do a calculation. Then go to the January tab and click cell A1 there. If you look at the formula bar, you will now see it says equals January dot A1. Uh, that indicates that even though you are on the March projected tab, you, are, you will be grabbing a value from the January tab. 
Next, we need to do an addition, so type in a plus sign, then go to the February tab and click on the A1 cell there. Now your formula reads equals January.A1 plus February.A1. We're close, but having added these together, we need to divide by 2. The simplest way to do that is to edit the formula in the formula bar by adding parentheses around the addition, then putting a divide by 2 at the end. When you do so, your formula should read equals January.A1 plus February.A1 with parentheses around it equals open parent January.A1 plus February.A1 close parent. Then slash 2 is going to put in the uh, division. That is it, so click the green accept icon next to the formula. Your numbers will be different from mine if you used random numbers, but if you check, you should uh, indeed see the average. And if you then click and drag down the column, you'll see that the cells increment exactly as you would expect. So in cell A2, you would see equals January.A2 plus February.A2 added together and divided by 2. And then in A3, you'll see all 3s and so on. So the cell address has the name sheet dot column row. But if no sheet is specifically named, it is assumed to be the sheet you are on. And you can jump to a cell on a different sheet using the name box at the left of the formula bar. Just type in the cell address using the full name, hit enter, and you will jump to that cell on that sheet. So you can try that. Open up and, and get onto the January tab and then type in March.A3, hit enter, and by golly, you will jump to that cell on the March tab. Now, within a sheet, there are times you need to do some editing of the structure by adding, deleting, and hiding rows and columns. This is not hard. To add a row or column, just go to Insert. In the menu that comes down, you can see the option for rows or columns. This is done using certain defaults based on where you are now. If you are in a cell, Calc will use that cell address as the starting point for adding. If you add a row, the new blank row will push down the stack and be inserted above the cell. If you add a column, the new column will be inserted to the left of the cell, and the columns will all shift to the right. Deleting is slightly different. The way Calc handles this is by deleting cells. And if you are in one cell and click delete, the question would be whether to move up the cells beneath the one you deleted or move to the left the cells that are to the right of the cell you deleted. Or should you delete the entire row or column? You know, if you are just in a cell and you click delete, that's all ambiguous. Uh, so to do this, you go to edit, then delete cells. Um, and, you know, you can answer the questions there. But I often find it simpler, if I'm going to delete rows or columns, to uh, make that plain by clicking on the row number or column letter, which will highlight the entire row or column. So, if I click on the number 3, 
everything on row 3 will be highlighted. Or if I click on the column B, everything in column B will be highlighted. So if I've highlighted a row or a column and then I click delete cells, it doesn't ask because it's very clear what I wanted. It deletes what I highlighted. Now hiding is another option that's useful for a few reasons. First, it can clean up printing if you hide a row or column that does not need to be in the printed output. Perhaps this is because it represented an intermediate step in the calculation or contains data that should be not should not be printed for other reasons such as privacy. For whatever the reason, hiding a row or column is easy. Just go to the format menu, choose either row or column as appropriate, and the submenu will contain hide as an option. When you do this, the row or column will disappear from view, but it is still in the spreadsheet. And if you look at the row numbers or column letters, you will see that the hidden row or column has its label missing from the sequence. So if you look up top and you see columns that go A, B, C, D, F, G, well, you know right away that the E column was hidden because that letter is missing. If you then want to bring back the column or row, select all of the columns or rows in the range that includes the hidden ones. For instance, in the above example, if you select columns D and F, that's the range, then go to Format, Column, Show to bring it back again, and similarly with rows. Now, another technique, freezing and splitting, okay? Sometimes you want a row or rows at the top to remain fixed in place as you scroll down. Or it could be a column or columns to be fixed as you scroll to the right. That's called freezing. And you might do that because those are labels that you want, to, particularly in a large spreadsheet, you know, as you scroll down, you don't want to lose your labels. And it's like, okay, what was that fifth column again? <laughs> and you're, you have to scroll up to see what the label was and then scroll back to take a look at your data. It's a pain in the neck. Freezing gets around that. So you can freeze rows at the top by going to the row below the ones you want frozen. So let's say the top two rows, rows one and two, have all of the column headers that you want to keep in place. Then select row three, because that's the one right below the ones you want to freeze. Um, and then go to Window, the Window menu, select Freeze, and those rows, rows will be frozen. Now you can scroll up and down. You could have hundreds of lines in the spreadsheet, but as you scroll up and down, those top two rows will always be at the top. Um, now, freezing columns, same kind of thing. You pick the column just to the right of the columns you want to freeze, and then go to Window, Freeze. Uh, you could even set uh, columns and rows in one pass by selecting the cell just to the right and just under where you want to freeze, and then going to Window, Freeze, and it would freeze columns and rows both. Now, to remove that, just go to Window, Freeze, and now remove the check mark. It gets rid of the freeze. Now, splitting is slightly different. This divides the sheet into several independently scrollable sections, so you can 
you know, jump around within each section without affecting other sections. You can divide into either two or four sections, depending on whether you split along a vertical line, a horizontal line, or both. Now, just as, uh, just select a cell as you did above for freezing, but this time go to the window menu and select split. You will now see a thick separator between the sections, and each section will have its own scroll bars. But note that if you divide into four sections, there are still some limitations. Any scroll bar will affect both sections to which it's attached. So if you select a scroll bar on the right and move it, both of those sections on that part of the spreadsheet will move together. Now, as with Freeze, you can remove this by going to Window, Split, and selecting to remove the check mark. Now, finally, there's a, a whole bunch of shortcut keys. I have a link in the notes to the LibreOffice help site. You can go and, and take a look at this. Uh, I'm just going to mention a few of them here. Uh, Control and Home together always moves to cell A1. So if you're on a very large sheet and you want to get back to the beginning, Control plus Home. Uh, the opposite one is Control plus End, and that moves to the last cell on the sheet that contains data. The Home key moves the cursor to the first cell of the current row, and the End key to the last cell of the current row. If you do control left arrow, moves to the left edge of the current data range. Control right arrow moves to the right end of the current data range. Uh, if you do control page up, moves one sheet to the left. Uh, control page down moves one sheet to the right. Um, and now, here's a, a distinction between uh, control page up and alt page up. Alt page up moves one screen to the left, and alt page down moves one screen to the right. The distinction here is between a screen page and a printed page, and they're not necessarily the same. Now, there's a, a lot more of these, but me reading through all of them is going to be deadly dull. And this has been a sufficiently long episode and full of meat already. So I'm just going to say, if you really want to get in all these keyboard shortcuts, check out the link that I put in the show notes to the LibreOffice help site. And, uh, you know, bookmark it and come back to it later. And so this is Ahuka signing off and reminding you, as always, please support free software. Bye-bye. You have been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. We are a community podcast network that releases shows every weekday, Monday through Friday. Today's show, like all our shows, was contributed by a HBR listener like yourself. If you ever considered recording a podcast, then visit our website to find out how easy it really is. Hacker Public Radio was founded by the Digital Dog Pound and the Infonomicon Computer Club. HBR is funded by the Binary Revolution at binrev.com. All binrev projects are proudly sponsored by Lunar Pages. From shared hosting to custom private clouds, go to lunarpages.com for all your hosting needs. Unless otherwise stated, 
Today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Share Alike 3.0 license.